0: I want to do something that I don't normally do. Normally I kind of pick a passage and we kind of work our way through it. This morning we're going to more look at a kind of a topical approach and um, and go through a number of different passages of Scripture related to the same topic. And I've been thinking a lot lately of what we've been seeing in the news, you know, with Eskasoni this past week and uh, other things like that. And so this morning I want to think about this whole matter of, of peace of mind and... You know, the the how the Lord supplies what we need in, in relation to these kinds of needs in the world. But I want to begin with a story, and perhaps you've heard of the the store uh, J.C. Penney. It's a pretty uh, famous store chain in the United States, J.C. Penney. Well, the the, fo- the founder of that was James Cash Penney. That's where that comes from. And uh, James, in his life, you know, he founded this story. He was very successful, but he set goals for himself in life that were impossible to achieve so much so that he became uh depressed he became so depressed that he uh actually got shingles and was hospitalized and he was in hospital for quite some time and uh, there came one evening where he felt he was literally going to die and so he wrote letters to all of his family members expecting not to make it through the through the night uh in the morning uh, to his surprise he was still alive and he heard down the corridors in the chapel of the hospital Um, a group of people singing, God will take care of you. Perhaps you've heard of that old hymn. I was actually going to try to sing it this morning, but I couldn't find the music for it. Uh, God will take care of you. And he heard this hymn, and within a short period of time, he had entrusted his life to Christ, and he found a peace and a joy. And he later said this, he says, I realized then that I alone was responsible for my troubles. I knew that God with his love was there to help me. He said that from that day forward his life was free of worry and it was all because he realized that God would take care of him. The founder of J.C. Penney found the Lord and he found peace uh, as an answer to his fear and his, um, his troubles. But, you know, worry and fear are real problems for the world today, and they're a problem in all of our lives. I think if we were honest with ourselves, I will admit to you, you know, you know you're know, you supposed to be a man of faith and all that, and yet we struggle. We, we have fears. We have doubts. And, and there's many things which come into our life that bring us anxiety to, to varying degrees. And, you know, it doesn't seem that anyone's immune. The rich and the famous are not immune from this. We know from the, the sad history of the news. So, you know, we could think of Robin Williams a few years ago, you know. Probably one of the funniest men that's ever lived, a very successful actor. I love that guy, you know, uh, and yet he took his own life, you know, and there's many rich and famous people. So money and success are not guarantees that a person will not go through depression and anxiety and fear and, and all kinds of problems in life, right? We know that uh, ministry people are not exempt, you know, sometimes we struggle with this in the church and we like to create this false impression that, you know, that we who know the Lord or ministry personnel can't go through this. And yet, just last year, a, a pastor took his life in the United States. That was in the news as well. It happens, right? Um, sports people, just last week, I think, I just read about a skating couple in the U.S. And they, they were very successful, but they were denied some championship. And, and this man took his life. Very successful sports figure. So nobody's exempt from this, you know. And we read from what's going on in Eskasoni and our heart breaks for those people. Well, I've done some research, uh, you know, and I've been looking up some statistics and some data and on secular sites. And so I found this Dr. Jean Twenge from Psychology Today, and here's what she says. Quote, anxiety and depression are markedly higher than they were in earlier eras. And she has many scholarly articles and studies that she references to show that uh, actually that since after the 1930s in particular, uh, but certainly the 1990s and beyond, that anxiety and fear are significantly a big problem, and they weren't in the earlier generations. This was not an issue prior to the 1930s, t- typically. And I read another... Uh, there's another studies by the Canadian Union of College and University Students. There's all kinds of amazing studies out here, and there's a website called anxiety.com. And here's what they say, quote... Every study says that there's a dramatic rise in mental illness and suicide, and this is particularly true for children and teens. This is what the secular people are saying. So the authorities out there are recognizing the fact that there are problems on the rise. And here are some of the reasons they list as causing factors. Okay, Increased parental pressures. Increased adoption of electronic media. That's very interesting, you know, but there's studies coming out now that show that our young people, are the reason they're suffering depression and anxiety is because of these electronic devices. Uh, increased performance pressures, whether it be educational, financial career, increased terrorist events in the world, divisive news, violent TV programming, mo- music, video games. Uh, graphic children's media, sexually explicit material available everywhere, social media pressure, reduced face-to-face interactions, right? So we call it social media. It's actually anti-social media. <laughs> reduced parental contact. Children are prematurely separating from their parents and families and bonding to their peers instead of their parents. Drugs. Uh, overly protected and indulged children. These are, This is a secular website. Uh, reduced expectations on young adults. And the I generation, this is interesting to me, the I generation where everyone believes they are entitled to whatever they want, from opinions to lifestyle choices and whenever and however they want it. This is a secular website. (laughs) So these are some of the factors they identify that's causing us trouble out there. And and I want to just share, it says here that even though life is easier today, without a doubt, in terms of the, the burden on people in terms of survival, that the stress level for people has been unparalleled in society and the world. And so it's making a huge difference on our health psychologically, emotionally. So here's what they say about the solution. And this I find very instructive. It says, unfortunately, there aren't easy solutions. What is required is a wholesale rethink about the many contributing factors and then adopting healthy change. Listen to this. But based on how society got here and where it is currently headed, it is unlikely we will see a positive change anytime soon. The expectation is that things will get much worse. So these doctors and scientists see the the societal changes as being negative and that they're going nowhere in the right direction anytime soon. That's really quite instructive to me because, of course, the Bible tells us the same thing. And it says, so the best we can do is seek whatever mental health support we can and then work at making families healthy one person at a time. They, they have no real answer to this problem. Lots of data on the problem, no real answers for it. So where is peace of mind to be found? And does the Bible address this issue? Yes, it does. And I want to say very clearly right up front that I am not against uh, mental health professionals. I am not against psychological help. And in fact, as a church, we want to be supportive of that. And if Is anybody here that struggles with that? You should not suffer in silence. You should not feel ashamed. We we support that. And by all means, I'm not suggesting that we should not avail ourselves of whatever medical supports uh, are needed. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that there is an answer for a lot of this also in Christ. And so we want to emphasize what the Bible teaches on this subject this morning. And the Bible does talk about peace of mind. And in many issues, the Bible does address some of these issues. And for a lot of people in this world, you know, there are mental diseases which are physiological and, and, and need to be treated and so on. And then for a lot of people, there's a lot of anxiety and stress that is not related to that. It's just, you know, as in J.C. Penny's case, you know, he had a wrong focus on himself and he needed a, a shift. <laughs> Isaiah 26, 3 is where we're going to begin. I love this verse, Isaiah 26 and verse 3. It says this, It says, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Speaking of God, God, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. That's quite a promise we have from the scriptures. And here we have this clear statement of the peace of mind that can come for for the one who is dependent on the Lord, who is trusting in the Lord. And, And those are kind of the two keys that we see in this verse, dependence and trust. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Dependence and trust. And, you know, there's a challenge for us as Christians, you know, and for people in general. How are we doing in these areas of dependence and trust? You know, and I would say to you, I'm going to share with you some personal stories, but obviously, you know, we who know the Lord and we have put our trust in Him and yet... Are we there day by day, you know? I mean, and that's a real question to ask myself, because I can confess to you, there are days when I'm not really depending on the Lord, and there's days when I'm not really trusting in Him. I'm kind of wrapped up in different things. But where there is dependence, where there is trust in the Lord, the Lord tells us that there's there's a perfect peace um, of mind. And, And the question for us as Christians is, do we realize our dependence on the Lord? Do we realize our need for Him day by day? You know, Jesus would say in a different context, without me, or you can do nothing without me. And that came to, you know, service and gifts and serving the Lord and so on and so forth. But the bottom line is, is that there is a need for in our lives for the Lord. And oftentimes, I think even as the Lord's people, we can forget that dependence and we can become independent and start striking out in our own strength. Are we truly depending on the Lord? Are we truly trusting in Him? Easy to say. Maybe sometimes harder to do, you know, especially when we face difficult situations in life. There's been many times in my life when I face financial difficulty in particular when I do not trust the Lord. I, I hear what he says to me, but I don't really necessarily believe it applies to me in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so it's a, it's a challenge for us. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. And when we trust the Lord, there is peace and understanding as we can let things go. And leave it in the Lord's hand. Psalm 55 verse 22. Psalm 55 verse 22. As I said, we're gonna jump around a little bit, so my apologies for that. But that's okay. You know, sword drill as I used to say, you know, in Sunday school. (laughs) Psalm 55 verse 22. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Are you carrying any burdens? (laughs) Well, we all do to varying degrees. Obviously, you know, we obviously, before we come to Christ, we carry the burden of sin and As Even as Christians, we can carry that burden sometimes as we don't cast it off to the Lord. We carry burdens of doubt, of fear, of all kinds of problems in our life. And God says, cast it on the Lord. Because you know what? God can carry that load. It weighs us down, and we're not able to carry it. It will destroy us if we don't find a way to offload it. But God can carry the load. He is able, He is strong, He is mighty, and He encourages us to cast it on Him. And as we do that, he will sustain us. He will be there for us in strength. He can, but it's hard for us to sometimes cast that burden off. We we want to hang on to it, or even if we don't, we don't know how to cast it off. But you know, and we think, well, look at the Apostle Paul. There was almost the perfect Christian. Really? I think we put the man on too much of a pedestal. You know, Paul had such a burden, and he carried such a load, and he tells about it. He tells us about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to read two verses for you. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse eight, Paul will explain to us about a burden. Now he doesn't tell us exactly the nature of it, but he said it was so bad that he wanted to die. So you know, here's the apostle Paul, a man who has seen Christ to his you know face to face who had an amazing, you know, unction from the Lord, an amazing ministry, who, who saw the power of God at work, and he had a burden here so great he wanted to die. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 says, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Now Paul faced persecution, he faced opposition, he faced people trying to kill him all the time. It wasn't nece- he wasn't, you know, dealing here necessarily with uh, perhaps a burden of anxiety. It was a kind of di- direct, you know, uh, oppression and persecution. Yet whatever this was, it overwhelmed him. A man who knew the Lord it overwhelmed him to the point of wanting to die. They despaired even of life. That's how bad it was. So Paul knows what it was like, even as a Christian, to have a burden that is so heavy he could not bear it, but he found the truth of Isaiah 26. Let's read verse 9. It says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You see, the mind that trusts in God. Perfect peace. Isaiah 26. We read it together. Paul said that this burden was so great upon them, but ultimately it led them to trust In God and not in themselves. And through that they found that God is a God of peace. And sustaining power. And so Paul had the burden. And Paul found a way to take it to the Lord. (laughs) What does the Bible say about our burdens? Well I love 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your cares on Him because He cares about you. The Lord cares deeply about what's going on in our lives. He cares deeply about what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. He is able to bear our loads and burdens. He, whether we believe that or not, he can. And he calls us to throw it on him. And that's hard to do sometimes, you know. It, it really is. And we're going to talk a little bit here in a moment about how we do that. But he's, he's saying throw it on him. Take it off and throw it at him. And just get rid of it if you can. You know, and that's sometimes easier said than done. I understand that. I remember talking five or six years ago to a man in, the, in, in Ontario when we were going through some... Uh, Difficulties in our family, and you know, he was sharing with me, and you know that he has a son in his forties, and this man is not saved. And he says, "Mark, for years I've carried the burden of my son's salvation." He says, "I no longer do." He says, "I've learned to cast it on the Lord and leave it in His hands and just trust that the Lord will do a work." He says, "I can no longer bear it any longer. It's, it's, you know, for years it burdened him down, the weight of it. That's not that he doesn't care; he cares deeply, but he's learned to let that burden go." Onto the Lord. So how do we do this? How do we cast our cares on the Lord? Well, let's go to Philippians 4, 6, and 7 here for a moment. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 6, and 7 gives us some insight into the practical application of casting cares onto the Lord. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He begins by saying, don't worry about anything. And we might say, well, that's uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, don't worry about anything. But nonetheless, the scripture does say that, right? So it's not a suggestion for us. It's an actual command of scripture. And yet we struggle with this one big time. Don't worry about anything, but. So here, here comes the practical application. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. The way we're gonna unburden those things is to enter into prayer. Uh, with petitions before God, asking Him for things, with thanksgiving, thanking Him for things. The only way to unburden that load is to, to enter into a discussion with it about my Heavenly Father, and to cry out to Him for mercy, for help, for grace, for the ability to cast it on Him, to, to understand the truth of the matter. It's through prayer. And yet, you know, as Christians, and I'll be the first one to admit it, there's lots of times in my life where when the difficulty comes, the first thing I do is run the opposite way. I don't go to prayer. I, I sit and fret. I try to do something, you know, and it's almost sometimes the last thing I do is pray about it. And if I do pray about it, it's, it's, it's a short, meaningless, empty, shallow prayer. But you know, do we have the kind of prayer life where we do business with God? That we labor in prayer, that we wait on him, and we're like Jacob who will hang on and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. <laughs> you remember that? When Jacob meets the angel in the Old Testament, he grabs onto him, he wrestles with the Lord, he grabs onto him, he says, I won't let you go until I receive a blessing, right? Do we take this serious enough to really do business with God in prayer? I struggle with that. I confess that to you. And yet, this is the key in everything through prayer and petition. In other words, we come before God, we bring it to Him. And in that, we also bring thanksgiving. You know, we're not just like the continual complainers before the Lord, but we have lots to be thankful for, even in the midst of difficulties. Now, this is going to be a very trite example, but I'll share it with you. (laughs) I was at my son's house in North Bay this week. And, you know, the house was full because my other son and his family was up from Peterborough. And so the only place for Janet and I to sleep was on the air mattress in the basement. Now, the air mattress in the basement is a tall one. It's got, like, an automatic fan, so there's no work involved. But the basement of my son's house in North Bay where it's, like, minus 100. (laughs) not really, minus 30, uh, is freezing cold and the air in that mattress is freezing cold and the first night Janet and I are shivering on that mattress down there, the cold air in the mattress and it's freezing in the house and we're just, I, I'm wearing my sweater to bed and we're just down there trying to survive but thankful that we're with our kids. <laughs> and the thought occurred to me, again this is a minor example, but the thought occurred to me, it's like Lord, thank you for this mattress because there's many people who don't have a bed tonight There's many people who don't have a roof over their heads tonight. And even though this is difficult, Lord, I'm very thankful for it. And I found thanksgiving in the midst of my suffering (laughs) as I brought my petition to the Lord. Um, But, you know, there's so much to be thankful for when we really stop to think about it is the point, right? So even though we have burdens, even though we have difficulties, we also have great points of thanksgiving as we come into prayer with the Lord. And that's important. So we come to God with prayers, with petitions, with thanksgivings, and we present these things to God. And look what it says in verse 7. And as we do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's that peace of mind again. For the mind that is trusting in the Lord, that is dependent upon him, that has found a way to unburden itself before the Lord to say, Lord, I cannot bear this any longer. I'm just literally giving it to you. I'm I I'm done here. I'm walking away from this. Lord, help me to leave it with you and to stop struggling with this. And that is hard to do. I, I I'm not I am not here this morning saying this is easy to do, or I'm not and I'm not standing before you this morning saying I've got this all figured out. This is a constant struggle for me. Absolutely. And, uh, but nonetheless, this is, this is what the scripture gives us to deal with these burdens that we bear, these anxieties and these issues that we have in life. Is this where we really go? And that's the real question for you and I today. Is this where we really go? Or is it just kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah I prayed. Uh-huh, yeah, but nothing's happened. Because I'm not really doing business with God. I'm not really serious about that relationship with Him. And you know, there's so much escapism in the world today, right? I mean, Eastern religion is all about escapism. Let's just meditate, pretend we're in some like surreal place, and we'll ignore everything going on around us. No, God meets us in the reality of our life, and He gives us peace in the midst of the storm. And doesn't ignore the difficult things that are going on. Some people escape to drugs, to alcohol, to all kinds of things to escape the pain. It's not a real answer. It's just a a temporary fix. As good as it might be at the time. But God meets us in the reality of life and He calls us to call upon Him and to lay it at His feet. And I have no doubt He's just like, children, don't you get this? Come to me. I can help you, but you're not coming to me. You're running to and fro and every which way with your difficulties. Where do we really go? What's the true honest answer? Only you can answer that before the Lord. A submarine was being tested and had to resubmerge after a few days under the water. When it returned to the harbor, the captain was asked, How did the terrible storm affect you last night? The officer looked at him in surprise and exclaimed, Storm? What storm? We didn't even know there was a storm. The sub had been so far beneath the surface that it had reached the area known to sailors as the cushion of the sea. Although the ocean may be whipped into huge waves by high winds, the waters below and on the cushion are never even stirred. And so the Christian's mind will be protected against the distracting waves of worry if it is resting completely in the good providence of God. There, sheltered by His grace and encouraged by His Holy Spirit, the believer can find perfect tranquility that only Christ can provide. And that's very true, right? You look at the raging ocean, you realize on the ocean floor there's nothing going on. All is peace and calm, <laughs> right? Nonetheless, there's a raging storm above. And so can we find God in the storm? Yes, we can. If we can find him and unburden and throw those things at his feet and rest on him and cry out to him and do business with God, we will find the promise of peace that this world can't possibly comprehend and understand. It, it passes understanding. How is it possible That Peter and the apostles can be in prison, in the stocks, having been beaten and singing hymns of praise to God. How can it be that Christians in the past who have been tied to the stake and burned alive can be singing praise to God as they die? How is it that Christians can face uh, sickness and illness in this life? Like my nephew, sorry, with the brain tumor who can praise God in the midst of that And, and his wife too, young people in their 20s. You know, they're so thankful to the Lord for what they have. That's because that's the peace of Christ. It passes understanding. It doesn't mean that they ignore the fact that he has a tumor. It's real for them. It's serious for them. They're not making light of it. But they found a peace in Christ as they've waited on him. Do we live in that place? On the cushion of the sea, as it were. Isaiah 12 and verse 2. Isaiah 12 and verse 2. Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust Him and not be afraid for the Lord. The Lord Himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. It's a wonderful expression of praise. It's a wonderful expression of the person who has come to know the strength of God in their life. And understand who he is and what he can do and the power that is available to those who know him and the the more that we grow in our relationship with him and the deeper we grow, the more mature we are, the more we know this to be true and the more we can testify that this is the case. Whereas, you know, we might at one time in our life look to our own strength, look to our own abilities, look to our own strategies. The older we get in the lower we realize more and more it's the Lord who is my strength. He is my salvation. He alone is what I need. The greatness, the excellency of the power is of God, the New Testament tells us, not of us. It's of Him. And so we want to get to this place where we understand the power of God in our life. And I love, you know, in Nehemiah 8.10 we read that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In Psalm 16.11 we read, In your presence God is abundant joy, and at your right hand are eternal pleasures. In God's presence is fullness of joy. And that joy is my strength. Worship is so important for us as Christians. As we enter into the presence of God, there we find joy. And that joy becomes our strength. Are we a worshiping people? Are we a thankful people? Are we a prayerful people? Jesus says, abide in me. And you will bear much fruit and my Father will be glorified. Now he's speaking of course of our life there, but it's that strength that comes only in the presence of being with Christ in his presence and you know we were listening uh, the other day on the radio to Louis Giglio and he was sharing his struggles with uh depression and anxiety i guess he was overseas for a period of time as a missionary and like he was really in trouble and he had to you know he was on medications and he kind of had to have his brain reset but he said you know the key for him spiritually was worship and he would just have a song in the night, and he would sing that song over and over again. And as he would enter into the presence of God, he would find joy. <laughs> and he would find strength as he worshipped the Lord. Worship is so important to us as Christians. And worship, of course, is more than just singing songs. We, you know, In fact, I'm planning to do a series in the near future on worship. And I think we're all going to enjoy that because it's—it's it's, worship is all of life. But, you know, I'm talking about the praise aspect of worship right now, where we, we you know where it is singing, where there is that melody in our heart to the Lord. And that is a beautiful thing. And I have personally found there are times when I'm, you know, especially five or six years ago when I was dealing with some stuff with my uh, family and I would be so distressed. I'd be in that car alone, just bawling my eyes out, you know, blaring the, the Christian music and praising the Lord. And that was just so good for me, you know, in those difficult times just to get the focus off of me. And onto the one who is my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do we have the joy of God? Where is it to be found? In His presence. That's where it is. And so we want to be in that place. Worship, abiding, prayerful. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, You will be delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence, but you are not willing. I'm in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. And in this entire chapter, the prophet uh, deals with the nation of Israel in, in the fact that they would turn from God, and at that time they were turning to other nations like Egypt to find strength, to find help. And God was saying, "Look, that's not where it's to be found. You're, you're, uh, excuse me. You're, you're going to be delivered by returning and resting in God. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence in the Lord. But you are not willing." And I think that's the the reason I wanted to share that is again that sometimes as Christians we turn everywhere but to the Lord. And that is the challenge for us. In the midst of our stress and our trouble, we turn everywhere but to Him in sincerity and truth. But that is nonetheless where the, where the help will be found. In this particular case, if you, if you read Isaiah 30, you'll find that the Lord wanted to help His people, but they refused. and So He had to let them go down the path that they decided, which was not good. And too often we're unwilling to go to the Lord for what we need. John 14:27 we're going to finish with this scripture verse uh John is so beautiful Jesus says peace i leave with you my peace i give to you i do not give to you as the world gives don't let your heart be troubled or fearful the peace of Christ of course primarily peace with god uh, the forgiveness of sins eternal life obviously but with that comes the very peace of god himself into our hearts into our minds and Jesus is the answer for the heartache of people he fills the deepest longing and needs of the of the of the soul of man that cannot be filled anywhere else. I think it was uh Augustine, probably uh Vaclav could help me with this quote about the fact that there's Augustine I said something, we 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 will not find rest until we find our rest in thee or something like Yes. Yeah, we're we're restless, right? The heart of man is restless, and it cannot find rest until it finds it in the the very person of of God and of Christ. That's where our answers are found. So, again, the encouragement for us is to, to turn to the right place. And again, as we said before, we're not against medical treatment at all. And some people definitely need that, and that's great. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. It's all good. Get whatever help you want. Don't suffer in silence. If you want to, you know, like I say, this church will be supportive of people who are struggling with mental illness and whatever, you know, anxiety and fear and all of that. You should never feel ashamed about that. Let me share a brief story with you of application. Because you might be saying, well, Mark, you just don't understand. And I do to some extent. Uh, oh, about eight years ago, my brother-in-law took his own life, Janet's brother. And I'm telling you that was hard. And Craig and I were not that close, uh, really. we didn't see them a lot. But after that event, I went into a period of six months of depression. I didn't speak much at church. I kind of backed away from everything. I just kind of went through the motions. And what I was struggling with was my own failures in that because... You know, I just, I avoided Craig because he was an unbeliever, and for many years as a Christian, I considered myself holier than you. And I didn't hang out with people who drank alcohol, and I didn't hang out with people who did all kinds of bad things, and the, the Lord kind of convicted me one day, said, well gee, Mark, if you're not willing to go and share the gospel, who will? And that's what I was dealing with, my failure in Craig's life, to love him. And so, as I went through that period, I, I, uh, I said to my wife one night on the bed, I said, "Hun, I said, you know, my dad struggled with mental illness and he kind of lost his mind. And I said, look, I'm heading in that direction and I just want to tell you now, before I get there, I'm sorry. And I was never suicidal, but I empathized and I started to sympathize with Craig taking his life. And I started to I'm such a terrible father. I'm such a terrible husband. And this crowded me for six months. And I remember laying on my bed in my house at Peterborough one night. And I said, Lord, if you do not deliver me from this pit, I am not coming out. And I will die. And there's no hope. And I don't know how, but I can just tell you that he did. He did. The very next day, he just lifted me out of that pit as I cried out to him as I focused on him. And he set my feet on the rock again. Right? And so I understand a little bit about depression. I understand a little bit about what that's like. I never sought any professional help. I'm not against anybody doing that. Don't 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 misunderstand me. But I did find what I need in Christ. And I do know from my own personal experience that he is everything that I need. And no matter what problem I face in this life or the one to come, He is my answer. He is my all. I'm going to just hang on to him. I don't care what anybody thinks about that. He is my answer. He is my rock, And I'm going to hang on to him. And if he considers me foolish for doing that, then so be it. That's what I'm going to do. I trust in him. I believe in him. He is our answer. That's not to say that Christians don't struggle. We do. And sometimes we need help and we need others to talk to and to counsel us and to help us through the difficult times. And that's what we should be doing for one another, helping one another for sure. But may the Lord help us to find uh, true peace of mind in the Lord Jesus Christ Father we're so thankful this morning, uh, Lord, for all that you have done uh, for us, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, that as we trust in you as we depend on you, Lord, uh, we can find the peace of mind that we need uh, to live in these difficult days and father there 's many fears in our hearts and many doubts, Lord, many anxieties that we struggle with father, we can 't even rationalize them at times and and your Lord, I pray that you would just uh, encourage each heart here today. Lord, help us to find you in the midst of that. So often, Lord, we run to different things and we, we ignore you in the midst of it. And yet, Lord, bring us back to you, we pray, in your grace and in your mercy. Preserve us, oh God. Protect us in these days. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the help that you are to us. So God, we want to bless you today. I want to thank you, Father, for who you are. And that you, for your great care for us, Lord, help us to be able to um, uh, cast our burdens on you, Lord, truly, and leave them with you, Lord, and, and live uh, in the peace that Christ has secured for us. So, Father, we bless you today. We ask your blessing in each one here, Lord. If there's someone here struggling this morning, Lord, we just pray that you would just flood their soul with your grace and presence. Lord. Power of the Spirit of God. Lord, lift them out of whatever pit, even as you did me a number of years ago. Lord, set our feet firmly upon the rock, which is Christ. Help us, Lord, to trust in you and not in ourselves. Father, we bless you. We thank you that we are loved by God, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. And Father, we just commit our day to you now, giving thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen! The Lord bless you. Thank you for coming.